Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Trapped in Room 104. It's Cormac and Susha here on Room 104 and joining us now to tell us about their, I would say, terrifying, traumatising traumatizing story, but with a happy ending. I know sometimes we don't like to have happy endings on this show, but this time, I swear to God, there is, and it's insane. Joining us now, she is a TV personality and reporter for ESPN. She has been an actress, speaker, model, appeared on Dancing with the Stars and was also a, a champion winning Paralympian swimmer, but she's got an insane story before any of that happened and it is absolutely unbelievable. We're delighted to welcome onto the show Victoria Ireland. Victoria, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. really good. Um, we saw <laughs> your story and had to just reach out and 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 chat to you about this because, as we mentioned, all of the successes that your kind of your career and many different ways has exploded. But your life was slightly different when you were around 11 years of age. I'm wondering, could you tell us? where all of this began for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I was 11, I developed two incredibly rare neurological conditions and went from being a normal as well as my parents say, I think they're like, you were never normal, but normal, <laughs> I guess. Um, but uh, and then I quickly lost every ability I had. So I within three months slipped into a vegetative state and was pretty much written off um, by doctors as a lost cause. You know, the, the two conditions caused severe damage and swelling to my spinal cord and my brain. And so by the time they kind of figured out what was wrong, it was too late for any kind of intervention. And so my family was basically told to say goodbye. And they were told, you know, she's not going to make it. And if she does make it, Victoria, you know, and you once knew is never coming back. And so they were like encouraging my parents, to, you know, put me away in a special care facility and just move on with their life. I was aware the whole time. So I was what they call locked in. And so all in those four years, you know, I'm witnessing things the doctors are saying. Hey, before we delve into you being trapped inside your own body, I guess, um, as an 11 year old, did you just wake up one day and feel a bit different? Like had your speech gone? Was it a sudden? About a three month progression, I'd say. The first kind of symptoms were honestly like I had the severe shooting pain in my right side. So they thought it was appendicitis. So they took out my appendix. And then and then it was a lot of like flu-like symptoms. And then my right foot started to drag and so like my fine motor skills kind of were slowly declining, but I'm also, you know, 11. So I'm trying to be like, well, I want to go outside and play or I want to go do this or I 
going to go back to school. So I was trying to adapt, but my family was like, it was very apparent that every day you were getting weaker and weaker. When after that three month period, when you were kind of wound up moving into that kind of vegetative state, were you aware the whole time or is there kind of parts of your memory that maybe are, are missing? I think um, the initial couple of months in the vegetative state are where it gets a little fuzzy. And then I kind of fully came to mentally um, about a year in and had no idea that so much time had passed and had no idea, frankly, in the beginning that I was locked in. Um, I really just remember having a really, really bad headache and then it went dark. And then, you know, I come to and I'm trying to have a conversation with the people in my room and no one, no one's responding. And then I'm trying to speak louder and I'm not realizing that I'm not actually saying anything. And so then I very quickly realized like, oh my gosh, they don't know that I'm, that I'm in here. You know, they don't know that I, cause in my mind, you know, I'm thinking I'm speaking clear as day. Cause if you really lay there and start talking in your head you kind of sound like you're, you feel like sometimes you're talking or you feel like you're in a sense, you know, getting your point across. And so I think in the initial days of this um, vegetative state, I kind of thought I was talking and I was like, why is no one responding to me? You know, like, hey, mom, like, what's going on here? And then I was like, oh, no, like, they don't know that I'm in here. That's like something from a horror film. Like you're you're sitting there, you can hear Felt doctors like it, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably saying, you know, she's not going to make it. She's never going to mm-hmm. recover from this. And you are there totally mentally perfectly capable of hearing all of this and you're trying to tell them I'm fine I'm 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 okay yeah I'm sitting there and I'm like I'm I'm here I'm right here like I'm not I'm not like gone like I'm not and they're like saying you know she's not you know she's not there she's she's gone she's gonna die and I'm like wait what no I'm not like I'm right here and very long time I never considered this to be you know a death sentence I never considered this to be terminal you know I just kept thinking the next day was going to be better and I think that childlike faith if you will and just hope that things would would get better is really what kept me going for so long and uh, how how long were you I suppose trapped inside your own head before somebody started maybe to realize that oh hang on she's still in there about four years that I was in this vegetative state so about three of those I was like completely aware and like completely coherent but it wasn't until I got the ability to blink and got control of my eyes that my mom realized because I was like staring at her one morning and I'm like following her across the room and I have these you know big brown eyes and my dad has always laughed because he's like since you're a little girl we could always tell what you were thinking because you had these big brown eyes and they they told a story within themselves and so uh, she kind of saw that and she walked towards me and I'm like following her and staring at her very intensely and she just asked me a simple question she's like if you can hear me can you blink twice and then I did and then I started she said have you been in there and I said yes and she's like is your name Victoria and I was like yes and and she started kind of asking all these questions and then realized like oh my gosh she's been in here the whole time wow that's incredible to even hear and the fact that your mom was aware of that and got to the point where she was asking to blink is another thing but take us back to like the four years is a long time to be kind of lying in the same position like were you going through normal day-to-day things like going to sleep waking up like how did you occupy your mind so I really kind of was um, spent, you know, the first kind of part of my morning just thinking about all the things I had to be grateful for. Because I feel like if I started off on that note, that kind of set a trajectory for the day to kind of keep my, you know, focus on there. But I did sleep, I had sleeping patterns, but I also was having seizures. So the seizures would kind of come in at unexpected times. So it really every day, like there was a sleep cycle, I was awake, and then there'd be seizures. So it was kind of just this like, 
triangular uh, routine where it was like sleep, then you're awake, but then you're like awake, but you're you're not like obviously coherent and no one thinks you're coherent, but I was. And then there was like kind of seizures that would disrupt all of that. So uh, after your mom suddenly discovered or your mother discovered suddenly that you could communicate, how do you go from just being able to blink? Because now you're you're back up on your feet and mobile again. Yes. Yeah. So the blinking was kind of what started the process. And then it was this very, you know, kind of slow progression of like, okay, how can, how else can we help her communicate? Cause for four years I couldn't do anything. So there was severe, you know, atrophy and, and fine motor skills that had not been used in a very long time. So it was really working around the clock with, you know, occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech therapists, but then like my family kind of rallied around and we're like, okay, what other things can we we help Victoria do because like for me I was like I want to do everything I want to come back and so um it was about a three to four month I'd say intensive like rehab process just to be able to sit up just to be able to kind of put words together and and be somewhat independent but um that point you know doctors said there was irreversible damage to my spine and that I would never walk again so I had to learn how to navigate the world in a wheelchair so everything came back except you know except my legs and so for me like obviously I went back to school and and got into sports and and um and eventually you know got into television but all throughout that I was I was always I always held out hope because sometimes all you need is just a blink of hope I mean it was literally a blink that gave everyone hope that I was still in there including myself and so for me I was like I just need one more blink and so um we, you know, have, have never really been able to fully grasp why I got so sick in the first place, more so than why I even got better in the first place. And so for me, it was always like, I was always like, no, there's gotta be, it's gotta be something, you know, I can't just like give up when I've gotten everything. You know, I've done everything that they said I would never do again, except that one thing. It's incredible, like incredible at 26 that you've achieved as much as you have and you've overcome such trauma. But was there ever a point that the doctors had said to your parents, we're going to have to turn off the machines? I don't think turning off the machines because I could breathe for most of the part. I think they they really strongly encouraged my parents that, you know, ultimately they shouldn't have hope. And so I think they were kind of encouraging my parents that it's going to be a lot of work to take care of her if she survives and you should you know, put her in, you know, a, ultimately a pediatric nursing home to just kind of like, you know, give your guys a break. And and so I think if anything, they were just encouraging my family to to ultimately not have hope, you know, just the and even when mm. I started to come back, they're like, oh, this is a fluke, or this is, you know, this is not it's not going to get any better than this. And it kept doing that. And so I think they really encouraged. I mean, obviously, they had my parents say goodbye multiple times. But I think even when I kept surviving, they were like, well, I think this is a lot of work, like you should really just move on with your life. So I know you've kind of spoken about this once or twice in, in other interviews, and obviously you've had huge mm-hmm. success uh, after this. But you, you mentioned once or, in one or two other interviews about uh, some people don't get to see behind the scenes and that there still is some uh, post-traumatic stress and some anxiety that obviously that that was a traumatic experience it, has it still kind of I, I imagine it still has aff- affected you in, in some ways still on a daily basis oh absolutely I think it's you know it's one of those things that um, you can't go through all that I went through and then come out and and uh, not be faced by it but I think with me it wasn't until I started writing my book that post-traumatic stress really came came into um, came into play and and played you know a um, a role in and just like in my life there are times where um, you know like uh, two months ago I had surgery and complications put me in the hospital for a couple of days and that 
triggered post-traumatic stress, you know, and I think we're all human in a sense where you can have all the success in the world, but there's still, you know, trauma is trauma. And is there ever a fear or a risk that the doctors have said that it could happen again? I think there always is. I think there's still a lot that they don't know about, you know, what happened to me and, and how I am one of the more severe cases. But I think there's also enough people in my corner too, that if something were to ever go awry, we would get on it quickly and, and make sure that doesn't happen. And I think you know, for a while that was a fear, but then I realized, you know, you can't have faith and fear in the same sentence. And so I just did, I just kind of made a decision to have faith that things would continue to get better and that, you know, that that's behind me. You've done so much in your life that we could probably spend the next four hours just chatting about everything from the Paralympics to the to the Dancing with the Stars. But for you over the last four years, and by the way, if you've just tuned in, we're chatting to Victoria Ireland, who was just, um, or she spent four years in, in a locked and trapped inside her own body in a vegetative state because of two rare conditions that she developed and is now thankfully uh, has overcome that and went on to perform in Dancing with the Stars and compete at the 2012 Summer Paralympics where she was a gold uh, gold medal winner. But for you, what has been what has been the highlight for you since all of this happened? Oh gosh, <laughs> I think for me it's probably been you know starting my foundation. I've been very fortunate to do a lot of cool things and have truly been honestly blessed beyond what I could have ever imagined or asked for. But I think being able to take all of that and use my platform to do something greater and help other people, you know, in similar situations. I, I launched um, the Victoria's Victory Foundation about three years ago, and you know we want to help individuals with disabilities and help people people find their victory and, and have that support system. And so I think being able to take, you know, this very, you know, traumatic thing and this painful thing and find a purpose within it um, has been probably the most, you know, incredible thing to happen aside from all the other things. But I think to be able to take it and use it to help others um, has truly been the biggest, the biggest blessing. Well, it's an amazing story. And for anyone who hasn't heard of you, go and check her out because the transformation, I mean, to go through what you went through and then to come out this side is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, I struggled Thank to put you. a packet of biscuits down. I mean, I would yeah. never have had the, you know, just keep you in any way exercise going. But um, no, it's, it's a phenomenal story. Do you kind of, um, I don't know how the lockdown situation is over there, but you kind of look at everyone in lockdown giving out now kind of going, relax, lads. You know what? There, there's a, it could be a hell of a lot worse a situation you could find yourself in. <laughs> I think so. But I think I also have to remind myself too. It's such a crazy time that I think I have to self also give myself that reminder. But yes, I, it's funny. I am, um, I do, well, not funny, but I do a lot of, you know, a lot of motivational speaking and the virtual motivational speaking space has kind of blown up. And I think people really just need to be reminded to believe and believe that, you know, bad beginnings have good endings and that it, no matter how low you feel and how much you're struggling right now, that, that good will come out of it eventually. And so I think that's the biggest message I try to give is like, even when, when it appears you've hit rock bottom and I've been there a lot that, you know, there are things to be grateful for and that you will rise above it eventually. Brilliant. Well, listen, Victoria, thanks a million for popping on. If you want to learn more, go check out her book Locked In by Victoria Ireland. You can get it uh, on all usual um, bookshops and uh, Kindle and, and, and everywhere else. And, and uh, Victoria, before we let you go, you're obviously very active on social media and I know in various yes. other platforms. So where would um, be the best place for people to connect with you? On Instagram. Brilliant. Go uh, at Victoria Ireland, I think it is. But listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Congratulations on absolutely everything you have uh, achieved in your short time on this planet. And uh, listen, we'll Thank talk you. to you again soon. Thanks for popping on FM 104. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. 